Episode 226 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Self-Publishing School. Get a free copy of Chandler Bolt's book, Published, when you register for his free training on how to write and launch your next book in as little as 90 days. Visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. I think that the world has changed, and sometimes it takes us a while to sit back and realize that it actually has. The large percentage of people are on teams that are remote. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. It's the Read to Lead podcast, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then something you've got to seriously consider making a practice is intentional and consistent reading. The Read to Lead podcast is going to help you understand the books you need to be paying attention to and also bring you key insights and the main ideas from those books straight from the horse's mouth, today's most successful and inspiring authors. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin is the co-author, along with Wayne Termell, of a brand new book called The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. I'll ask Kevin to share about some of the biggest challenges facing remote leaders today, the unique challenges facing teams working remotely, techniques for building trusting and solid working relationships when team members aren't all together, and much, much more. Kevin and Wayne say that as more organizations adopt a remote workforce, the challenges of leading at a distance become more urgent than ever. The book sets out to show you as a leader how to guide your team by recalling the foundational principles of leadership. In other words, leadership first, location second. You know, the fact that you listen to a show like this one tells me that you're probably already a successful leader, president, CEO, pastor, what have you. And if that's indeed the case, if you haven't already, you've probably at least considered writing a book. Maybe you've had people tell you that you should write a book, or maybe you've already started writing. Either way, you know that writing a book is hard. It's harder still to write a book that gets read by real people, people beyond your friends and family, and oh, by the way, also makes money. That is, if you don't have a proven system in place that you can follow. And that's where my friend Chandler Bolt comes in. He's written a book called Published that he wants to give to you for free. And you can get it right now when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. All you do is sign up for his free upcoming training on how to write and self-publish your book in as little as 90 days, and he sends you the free book published. You don't even have to attend the training. All you need to do is sign up for it, and you get the free book. But why would you not also want the training? It's free, after all. And again, to get it, readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. If you've ever thought about writing a book, whether as a way to earn extra income or to generate leads for your business or to share a story you're just dying to tell, then I think you owe it to yourself to sign up for this training. And again, it's completely free. One more time, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash published to sign up for the free training and to get your free copy of Chandler's book published right now. Kevin Eikenberry is a recognized world expert on leadership development and learning and is the chief potential officer of the Kevin Eikenberry Group. He's also the creator of the Remarkable Leadership Learning System and the co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute. For more than 25 years, he's helped organizations across North America and leaders from around the world on leadership, learning, teams and teamwork, communication and more. 
Now, you may know him as the best-selling author of Remarkable Leadership and Vantage Points on Learning and Life, among other books. His new book, co-written with Wayne Turmel, is called The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership. Kevin, welcome to, to Read to Leap. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, I thought we'd start first by having you define uh, remote teams and contrast that with with virtual teams. I, I hear those words kind of bandied about sometimes like they mean the same thing, but they're, they're not really the same thing, are they? There's a little sort of academic difference, and we talk a little bit about that in the book, but I think for all practical matters, they're pretty much the same thing. Here's the thing, Jeff. If you've got, if not everybody on your team works in the same place together every day, you've got a remote team. Right. Um, If someone is working virtually, if, you know, maybe if they never come to the office would be one one way we could talk about that difference. But I think in most cases, you've got a team of folks like I do, some of whom or all of whom don't live and work where you live and work every day. So my team, we would call a hybrid, Jeff, because I got a couple people that are here in the office in Indianapolis every day, but most everybody else out and about somewhere else. Some of them close, relatively close, they just don't come to the office and others far away and not going to be here very often at all. I just want to say go Colts. <laughs> well, hopefully that'll be easier to say this year than it was last <laughs> year. Last. I mean, I saw, I saw, <laughs> saw images on the first day of training camp of Andrew Luck throwing the ball, Jeff. So that's a good sign. Uh, I saw that on the screen from the airport and got very excited, probably noticeably so by a bunch of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say, Kevin, are some of the, some of the biggest challenges today facing remote leaders? I think the first big challenge, well, first of all, in the research that we did and as part of the work leading up to the book, Jeff, what we found is there are an awful lot of leaders saying, well, I think I'm doing okay at this, but I'm not really sure. So there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of, well, I'm really not sure if it's even possible to have a team as successful when we're not all together, right? So mm-hmm. so I think the self-doubt is one of those issues. But I think another big thing to consider is that it, here's the story that I've been sharing a lot lately. That is, uh, my co-author Wayne was went into an office uh, building to meet with a client, actually physically there as opposed to doing it electronically. <laughs> but he was there and he walked by all these cubicles with nobody there. Monitors are there. Pictures are on the, you know, stuff on the cubicle walls, but no people. And he got to the office and he mentioned it to the client and they say, well, you know, we woke up one day and realized those, there are people that come to those desks some days, Mm. right? We woke up one day and realized we've got a remote team. And as I said earlier, if you've got one that's working remotely, you really have a remote team. Uh, But what's happening now is lots of people are working away from the main office or the office some of the time, right? Mm. So what's happened, Jeff, is we've just sort of ended up in this place and now people are looking around and go, yeah, we really do. I mean, it used to be people would think of the virtual or the remote team as I've got three people in India, you know, one person in in Indianapolis, right? Well, (laughs) now... Uh, we got people that might just be in the office one day a week. They're working every day. They're not part time, but they're not here every day. So I think that I think that the world has changed, and sometimes it takes us a while to sit back and realize that it actually has. The large percentage of people are on teams that are remote, but all of the leadership thinking hasn't really transcended the thought beyond uh, "I see you every day" kind of thing, and that's what we're trying to trying to work with in the book. Well, what, what about companies that have experimented, Kevin, with remote options only to, to give up on the idea? Do you see that a lot? And, and if so, why do you think they, they struggle? 
Well, there's a, there's been there's been some sort of highly you know publicized examples of that. Yahoo said, "Hey, we're bringing everybody back home," as an example. But I think there's a couple of things. I think that what we're finding is if organizations haven't done it yet and they're and they're worried about going remote because of those stories, I think the issue is if we can get clearer before we send people out what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going to do it, we can help make that work. A lot of times, the company culture hasn't thought we haven't thought through what we need to do to make it work remotely. The second thing is there's some kinds of work that doesn't. Make maybe do go quite as well at a distance, right? Work that has to be highly, super highly collaborative, maybe design work and that sort of stuff. I mean, there's some kinds of work that maybe not doesn't lend itself quite as well. So I think we want to think about the nature of the work, but we also want to just be thinking about how we're going to really actualize this when I'm not going to see my boss very often. Mm. And I think that's a big thing. If people will, will go into it being more intentional or if an individual leader will go into it being more intentional and thinking about some of the the things we talk about in the book, I think you're in a, they're in a better place to be successful. So I wouldn't, I would not have people be worried about trying it. Uh, but I would say think more about it rather than just start sending people home or, <laughs> or, or doing the, you know, office, you know, desk sharing scenario. I think you want to be a little more thoughtful and intentional about it. But if we do, and if we follow some of the right kinds of practices, we can be highly successful. When you said, don't be afraid to try it, I think back to several years ago, Kevin, when I still had, I would say, a long way to go uh, to becoming an effective leader. I think I would have been afraid uh, that allowing others to work remotely would have resulted in an excuse to to goof off. And so I'm curious, uh, what difference does good leadership make to people who work from home or or a remote location? Well, I'll I'll go first to the first part. That's a big concern that people have. How am I going to know if they're actually working? You know, what are they actually doing? But here's the thing, the research all shows that people are get more done at home uh, or, or working remotely than they do at the office. Think about this, Jeff. If you ever worked the week between Christmas and New Year's in the office, oh, yeah. what, what did you experience? A lot of productivity. <laughs> oh my gosh, why? Because there were fewer interruptions. <laughs> yeah. And so the people that are working from home, as an example, like the interruptions are largely gone. Mm-hmm. So from a productivity perspective, on an individual work, crank out the work basis, actually almost all the research and even our own intuition if we stop and think about it like we just did, we'll show that people will get more done. So the first thing, if you're that leader of that team, don't be so worried uh, about that because it's it's mostly in your own head, right? In fact, yeah. better to be thinking about how we're going to stay out of the transactional business and, and make sure that those folks don't become too focused in on their individual work. That's what actually happens. People get very productive on their stuff, but they it becomes very hard for them to see the bigger picture because they're not interacting with other people in the ways that they were before. It becomes more a part of our job as the leader for people to see that bigger picture to help people be connected not only to us, Jeff, but to the rest of the team. That becomes a bigger and more important part of our job. You mentioned uh, hybrid teams a moment ago. Uh, Does that represent uh, the majority of remote scenarios, hybrid teams? I think that, you know, that's that's a phrase that we sort of came up with. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's research that would say okay. the hybrid teams represent X percentage. But I think all of our anecdotal data would say that's the largest percentage of the team says that some people are where the boss is, but many or most aren't. I think that's more likely the common, the, the common scenario. Well, does a hybrid team say versus a, a team of employees where everybody's remote or everybody's together, do they experience any sort of unique challenges that, that maybe those other groups don't have to deal with? Yeah, because now as a boss, you've got, I mean, as a leader, you got to think about this a little differently. You've got, you've got people that are out there, you know, that are remote. Mm. 
and there's all of the remote issues that they would have with you. But now they off, they now are thinking about those people that are down the hall and they're thinking, man, it's great. You know, now I heard them saying they had birthday cake today and I know birthday <laughs> cake for me, you know, so there's stuff that may be happening in the office that they don't feel a part of. Uh, they may feel like I'm not getting, I'm not seen as much. So if promotions are coming, they're going to go to the people that, you know, are down the hall. I don't have that opportunity to be as connected. So there's, so that's what they're worried about in part, mm. but the people in the office are going, man, those people that are working from home and they get, they got all the advantages, right? Working in their bunny slippers, working whenever they want. And oh, by the way, they don't have to put up with the boss coming down the hall. I feel like I'm getting all of the extra tasks because I'm right here. So the point that I'm making is now you have to deal with perceptions and realities of two different groups, right? If everyone is in the same place, fine. If everyone is remote, we've got only half of those things to deal with, right? But when we've got the hybrid, we really have to be aware of how we work with and manage the whole group. I'll give you an example. So I had part of my team with me at a convention, a conference a few weeks ago, Jeff, we were in San Diego and I thought it would be good. This, this many of the people who are remote were together. That was a good thing. And I thought one night we, you know, we went to, we went to a Padres game, which is, was a really good decision for that group. But what about everybody that's back in Indianapolis? Mm. saying, well, we didn't get to go to a ball game. <laughs> you know, mm. they're in San Diego, first of all, and then they get to go to a ball game. I mean, I just have to be aware and thinking about that, address that, talk about that, mm. right? Because we're looking at perceived differences and how that impacts the working relationships, how that impacts trust levels, and ultimately how it impacts productivity. Uh, speaking of trust, I want to hit on that for a second. What are some techniques that you could share for building trusting and, and solid working relationships when team members are not all together. Well, you know, one of the things we have to we have to remember is that people's perception is their reality, right? So I'll give you one example. People will trust us more as a leader if they know that they have access to us, if they know that if they need something, they can get us and that we're going to be available, right? If I'm in the office like I am today as we chat, the people that are in the that are in the building can see me. You know, they may know that right now I'm on this podcast, but they they can look at my calendar and as soon as it's over, they can peek in and they can see, hey, I can grab Kevin for a second and get that moment. But if the person is out there far, far away, you know, yeah, they can look at my calendar, but is Kevin really available? Can I really reach out? You know, do I really have that availability? I've got to be especially careful if I have a meeting scheduled with one of my remote folks, Jeff, that I am on time for that. Because if I'm not, what does they start? They say, well, okay, I guess we're really not that important. You know, I guess I guess it was important enough to be on time if, for some people, but I, I, I guess I'm not that important. I'm not, you know, I mean, people can start down in a bunch of paths, right? And so we want to do everything we can so that our intentions are clear and people understand, you know, what our intentionality is. We, we've got to we've got to be open and, and work to build the, the interpersonal relationship with people. And we have to work at that harder when they're not down the hall from us. And the last thing I would say, and we could make a long list, but the next thing I would say, Jeff, is we got to turn off our email and turn on our web webcam. Well, what about the tools, uh, Kevin, that leaders and teams need to leverage when working remotely besides the webcam? There are so many options, uh, it would seem. What's your advice for knowing which tools make the, the most sense for you? Well, the first thing I would say, and I mean, we can't really have the conversation about leading teams at a distance or leading remotely without talking about the technology that helps to mediate this, right? Yeah. And we have all sorts of those technologies. Email is, of course, one of them. We have all sorts of web-based tools. We may have a tool like Slack that helps us do uh, instant messaging. We are really largely platform agnostic. We're, yeah. I'm not here to say, man, you ought to use Zoom or you ought to use WebEx or whatever. What I'm here to say is whatever tool you already have, 
have, learn how to actually use it. Mm. I would actually say two things. First of all, if you've got tools, let's say it's WebEx, I'll just use that as the example, or whatever your web platform would be, you as a leader need to know how to use it well, because if you don't, they won't. And the research says that about 80% of people use about 20% of the tool's capabilities. So if you're fumbling around with it, other people will too, and then people won't use it. They'll go back to what they're comfortable with, even if it's not really the right tool for the job. Which leads to the second point, Jeff, which is we've got a bunch of tools already, so make sure you're using the right tool for the right task, Mm -hmm. right? So on my farm, I've got a bunch of hammers, and you don't just pick up any hammer for a hammering job. What's the job? If I'm (laughs) working on drywall, I don't need a sledgehammer. Bad choice. (laughs) But I know I like my sledgehammer, Jeff. It's like my favorite hammer. And so the point is, I know email. I'm comfortable with email. I'll just use email just as one example, right? It's not the, it's a perfectly fine tool for some things. It's not, it's the absolute wrong tool for other things like having a true conversation. (laughs) Pick up the phone, turn on your webcam. If you've ever been in uh, in the third or fourth email in a thread and you see the conversation going sideways or getting unproductive, you know that email is not a conversational tool. Mm. So let's use the right tool for the right job. I can't count the number of times working in a, a traditional office environment where I, <laughs> I chose email for someone, you know, literally down the hall or right next door when a face-to-face conversation would have been a much, much better way to go. Well, you know, that's almost a joke, Jeff, right? Yeah. People say, well, they're down the hall and we emailed them. But here's the thing. When people are remote, you don't have that. You can't go down the hall. Right. So now we got to think about what might I do? Oh, my gosh, I could actually pick up the phone, right? <laughs> I could send them a note and say, hey, when's a good time for us to have a five-minute conversation? And then we could just, you know, get on to whatever tool you're using and get on your webcam. So, you know, I've been on several conversations today using my webcam with members of my team that aren't here. Well, you mentioned a few, but for anybody wanting, uh, Kevin, to implement best practices right away, what, what advice can you give to them for achieving better results? Well, again, we have talked about several things, but one thing we haven't talked about, Jeff, is that uh, as a leader of a remote team, the expectations that you have of others are even more important than ever. Mm. And so not only do we need to have expectations about what the level of performance is and what the productivity is and those sorts of things, but we need to make explicit and mutually understood the expectations about how we're going to work, how we're going to communicate, when we're going to talk in certain sorts of ways, all of those things. So having exquisitely clear and explicit expectations about how we're going to work together is critically important. And you can start to change that dialogue immediately, right? As soon as you finish listening to this podcast, you can send a note to one of your team members or all of them and say, hey, I want us to talk about how we're going to communicate or how we're going to get some of these things done when we're not in close proximity. Well, I have a couple of questions, Kevin, I'd like to ask you in the time that we have left, uh, not directly related to the book. Before I do that, though, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we, we walk away with? No, long, the long distance leader, <laughs> longdistanceleaderbook.com, right? Uh, no, I mean, I think we've had, it's been a far reaching conversation. The, the, the one thing I would say about the book is we certainly talk a lot about very practical things that you can do at a distance. The fact is, it's still leadership. Right. The, so don't throw everything. It's not like you have to start over, Jeff. What you've got to do is think about the nuances of leading differently when they're not all faced, when you're not face to face with folks. So it's not like throwing out everything we did. It's the how we do it that has to change in some cases. And as one of my mentors told me a long time ago, little hinges swing big doors. So it's a book with a lot of principles and a lot of specific examples of those little hinges that can make a big difference for you as a leader. Mm, Well said. Well, I want you to think about, Kevin, the books you've read the last few years or maybe even over your entire career. What are the one or two or even three titles that, that immediately come to mind as having had the biggest impact on you? Oh, 
that's a hard question. That's like what I call the desert island question. If you had to go to the desert island, you only take three books. What books would you take? Um, yeah, well, so I'm in my office right here looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bookcases. So, uh, wow. but I, I, I'll do this. I'll say, you know, I just shot a video that will go live on a Remarkable TV uh, in, in a while where I talked about one of my all-time favorite books. Mm. One of my all-time favorite books is by Og Mandino. It's called The Greatest Miracle in the World. And if you've never read that or if it's been a long time since you read it because it's, I don't know when it came out. It came out probably in the 70s. Uh, I would highly recommend that or any books by Og Mandino. Uh, easy read. Um, if if it will be for, like for me, it will stay with you for a long time. As I look at my desk, I see, I see the latest book by Tom Peters called The Excellence Dividend. And I can say that the writing of Tom over the years has had a big impact on me and my thinking as well. So I certainly you could go to any of Tom Peters's books and put that on the list. And lots of other favorite authors. You, if you force me right there, the, there's two sort of recent thoughts and they'd certainly be on the list for sure. I've read the Og Mandino book, but if I think long and hard about it, I think it was in the 80s when I read it. So it's it's worth a worth another another go around, I think. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if that was when it first, you know, if it, it late 70s, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at my copy at the moment, but yeah, it, and again, any book by by him, the greatest salesman in the world, the choice. There's several others, but yeah, the greatest miracle in the world. Highly recommend it. I'd love to know, Kevin, as a successful speaker, uh, what are some of your tips uh, you could pass along if you're if you're willing for delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. I would say my advice there is not a whole lot different than what my advice is for you as a leader, and that is your focus cannot be on you. If you're going to be an effective speaker, whether that medium is on a webinar or whether that's with your team or speaking in front of a large group, you've got to be very clear on who your audience is and what they want and what action you want them to take as a result of listening to you. So it's not about what you're going to cover or what you want to say, but rather what do you want them to know, do, or feel differently as a result of your communication with them. And if we keep our focus, Jeff, on our audience and what that what most desired response is, we got a much better chance of success. Mm, I like it. Uh, where's the best place for us to connect with you for anyone who might want to do that? Uh, so certainly you can find the main site for our, our business would be kevineikenberry.com. You can find our blog there and a lot of our products and services. You mentioned earlier uh, the Remote Leadership Institute. That's remoteleadershipinstitute.com which is the piece of our business that deals mostly with remote leadership. And then, of course, for the book, longdistanceleaderbook.com. Well, the book, again, is called The Long Distance Leader, Rules for Remarkable Remote Leadership, co-written by Wayne Termell and our guest today, Kevin Eikenberry. Kevin, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I am sure is an extremely busy schedule and spending some of it with us today. It was my pleasure, Jeff, and it's happy, happy to be with you. Thanks so much for having me again. You can find a complete list of resources at the show notes page that I've created just for this episode. Things like the links that Kevin mentioned, how to find his book, how to find him and more. That show notes page is found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 226 for episode 226. Today, July 31st, 2018, is the last day you can nominate Read to Lead in the 2018 Podcast Awards. If you'd like to do that, only takes about a minute. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash awards. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Self Publishing School and Chandler Bolt, wanting to send you a free copy of his book, Published, when you register for his free training on how to write and launch a self-published book in as little as 90 days. Read to lead podcast.com slash published 
for more on that. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.